biblically, God will change your vocabulary. You'll start using words like trial. You even heard some vocabulary he used, momentum. Uh, we don't look at problems as something that's going to bring momentum. We don't think like that. We have a different perception. Uh, we spoke from 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, and we said going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, all the way up to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, there's 26 things that Paul verbally describes. Notice one of the things he mentions is the cares of the church. <laughs> the church itself was a trial for him. The people, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, but there's another verse, that, a sister verse I want to look at today that connects with this thought. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And I want to read the Amplified Version. Sometimes I like different translations that bring out different nuances of what's there. Um, the Amplified is a good book for, I would say for, again, nuances, amplification, which is why it's called the Amplified. Not, wouldn't use it as a study Bible, but it's good for this. This is what the Amplified says for 1 Corinthians 10, 13. For no, it's actually a pretty long verse in the Amplified. For no temptation, no trial, regardless as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man, that is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to a human experience and such as a man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature and he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assaged beyond your ability or strength of resistance or power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always also provide a way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear it up, to bear up under it patiently. What's amazing about the end of that verse is it doesn't, says, it doesn't say that you will overcome it. It doesn't say that it will go away. Yeah. The end of the verse, and I'll read it again, that you are capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it patiently. I mentioned this in Baltimore on New Year's Eve. The word for patience, hupomonin, speaks about patience in circumstances. Macrothemia speaks about patience in, with people. But Hupomone is interesting because there's two direct English words that link to the definition of the word hupomone. The first of which speaks about standing underneath pressure. The word to endure. Which is what he's talking about here in the Amplified. To endure. It means pressure is coming down on me and I have the ability to stand and patiently wait while I'm under the pressure. The second part of the English word that talks about this hupomone is persevere. Persevere is different than endurance because endurance speaks that I can withstand what's coming and I'm not complaining about it. I'm just receiving it. And it's hitting me and I'm good. It's like when you pick up your kid, you put him on your shoulders, his weight is extra weight on your body, but you can endure it. So you can, you can pick up your son. But then when you begin to move forward with your son, that's what perseverance is. Perseverance is it, it's forward endurance. It's the, not, the, not just the ability to withstand, but the ability to progress. Okay? So, Paul is talking about here that in the trial, just like with that moment, God is not removing anything. 
fact, I have three things that God tells us about from this verse about a trial. This is not the five, this is three. The first thing Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is that a trial is an event. Not all the time. It's an event. Which means it has an expiration date. It has a beginning and it has an ending. But that seem like it, but it has a beginning and it has an ending. It's an event. It's the, always remember that about a trial. It's an event. It's not your life. It's not life-defining. It's not your journey. Your journey has trials. Your journey is not a trial. Okay? Your marriage has trials. Your marriage is not a trial. Your parenting has trials. Your kids are not a trial. Number two from this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it is allowed in the plan of God regardless of origin. You might be, you, you might, you might be complicit and what you're going through. You might be very well complicit. I did this, I caused this, so now I'm so, it could be a consequence. Or it might be the devil, or it might be the word, or it might be organized and engineered by God. But regardless of how, where the source of origin is, it is allowed by God in his plan. There's nothing that's happening in your life, there's no trial in your life that God is not allowed. To stop being angry at people. Because <laughs> no people don't engineer your trials. God allows it. If God didn't allow it, it wouldn't happen. How much evil do you think God holds back from you? Maybe you have a pre-salvation story. I have several. Where I could, when I was unsaved, God did things that preserved me that I didn't recognize until I got saved and looked back and like, that was God. I should have been arrested in that situation. I should have died. I should have been shot in that situation. And I wasn't. And I don't understand how that happened. It, was, it didn't work. I, and for me, in your, in your, in your, in your nativity, you call it lucky. <laughs> you weren't lucky. God covered you. God desired that in the plan, he wasn't going to allow you to die early. Right? So, in a trial, every trial is allowed by God. Every trial is allowed by God. In his plan. So when you don't like your trial, the, person you, you, the only person you can talk to about is God because he allowed it. He allowed you to choose the wrong business. He allowed you to choose the wrong thing. He allowed you to pick the wrong friend. He allowed that. Which begs the last point from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Why? Every trial in my life, regardless of origin, is always allowed for the same purpose. The trials are varied. The purpose is simple and eternal. It is designed to draw me in to a closer relationship with Christ every trial. It is an event that is allowed by... Let's put that together make a definition for a trial. It is an event allowed by God. What's shocking about it is before your life was even born, God knew every trial you passed through, and he designed them on purpose to use them to draw you closer to him. So it is an event that is allowed by God in his plan to draw me closer to him. That's a trial. An event, not a life, an event allowed by God in his plan to draw me closer to him. Trials. Trials. 
See, trials are part of the plan of God. The reason why trials command our attention is because they're often connected to suffering. Pain. Spurgeon said that pain is God's megaphone to man. When God wants to get my attention, he introduces pain in his plan, and then he has my full attention. My full attention. Trials. Trials are part of our life, right? It says, what does it say in that verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13? But such is his common to man. Wow. You know, the Bible does not say blessings are common to your life. It says trials are. Wow. A lot of verses, there are more verses that speak about suffering than blessing in the Bible. We don't live by it, but we experience it. Because we're connected to God, and this is an anti-God, anti-God world, anti-Christ world. We represent him. But when you go through a trial, and Paul is talking about trials in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. We have expectations, and we should have an expectation. I don't walk through life without an expectation. The question is, is my expectation natural or spiritual? Is it temporal or is it eternal? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, what? We look not to things which are seen for the things which are seen or temporal, but we look to things which are unseen for the things which are unseen or eternal. So when you look at a trial, what are you looking at? Are you looking at what you see or are you looking at what can be seen? If I look at what I see, that's only natural. If I look at what can be seen, that requires discernment and that's supernatural. So when I look at a situation, I can see what's happening, or am, or am I really discerning from God to see what can be seen? Because there's more than meets the eye. What did we say yesterday? Isaiah 42, verse 20. Seeing all things and observing nothing. <laughs> Have you not seen? It's like in Malachi. Um, Malachi chapter 3. God is telling Israel, why have you cheated me in your offerings? I love Israel's answer. How have we cheated you? I don't even see it. How can you be delivered from a sin that you don't even see? Huh. What? what are you talking about? When you were 12 years old, my room is clean. Look at the room. And she flips over the bed and everything's pushed under the bed. What are you talking about? It's clean. You sow, sometimes you sow when people, when I find people that are a modicum of success, you because you can't give them the social gospel. God will help you with your health. God will help you with your money. God will help you with, because they have all of that. I have a nice car. I make $200,000 a year. I have a nice home. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. I don't need God. God is for poor people. I'm not poor. What do I have that I can't give myself? I don't wait for Christmas for gifts. I gift myself. So I don't need your God to help me. Are you looking at your need for God based on what you see? Or are you looking at your, your need for God based on what can be seen? Because there's a God-sized hole in your heart, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, that you can't supply and sort out. But you can't see that. You can't see that. Truthfully speaking, most people can't see their need for God. So there's an expectation. I have a spiritual expectation and I have a natural expectation. And if I'm not careful, I walk into a, spirit, I walk into a trial natural-minded. 
I don't just need the mind of God for the good. I need the mind of God for the bad. In fact, more so. I need God's mind to see what can be seen in the trial. Because if I'm looking for God, I'll have the right expectation. Everything, because here's the thing. What gives me the right expectation in the trial is spiritual or eternal perspective. I need perspective. Perspective. When David is leaving the kingdom, the capital city, and he's on the run because Solomon has chased him out, took his wives, took his castle, took his kingdom, took everything from him. His son stole everything. Rather than do a protracted war in the capital city, David was, he was bigger than the fight. I want you to think about that in the body of Christ. Can you be bigger than the fight? I'm going to rip this church apart because they're wrong. Or, can I live with God and be bigger than the fight? It's not worth it. I'm not going to wreck the church of God to win. David said, I'm not going to wreck the capital city. I'm just going to, he can have it. My victory is not worth the people that get damaged. So David just said, okay, you can have it. And on the way out, Shimei is cursing him and throwing stones. There's blood on your hand. This is why you're losing it. And there's always going to be a Shimei in your life. I knew you wouldn't make it. I knew you was a failure. There's always a Shimei in your life. You'll always have a Shimei. You'll always have a Joab. You'll always have a Judas. You'll always have those people in your life. And the Shimeis will shout loud at you and curse stones at you. Look at David's response. Maybe it's God. Wow. You ever have somebody attack you and you say, maybe it's God. Maybe God thinks I need that. Kind of like Eli in 1 Samuel 3, when Samuel gives the prophecy, God's told me that you're going to die. And he, what Eli says, if it's good for God, okay. That's, that's, good, that's, that, that's God. Wow. It's amazing what perspective can do for you in a trial. In Philippians 4, 7, it can give you peace that passes understanding. Just, really? Perspective. Because I'm living by what can be seen. I'm not living by what I see. And the average person beside you is looking at what they see. And most of your spiritual decisions they're going to see as poor. And most of your trials they're going to see. They're like Job's, Job's friends. They're living by what they see. Job, what sin did you commit? What did you do that God has to chastise you? My, what, did David, what, did, what did David call man, What did Job call them? My miserable counselors. <laughs> Friends like those, huh? So I said there's five things you want to you want to you want to you want to see what can be seen in a trial. Spiritual discernment. First Corinthians 2, 12 through 14. Spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. We discern with three things. Three things aid me in discernment as a Christian. And discernment is not really a gift. Though there's, there's, some say it is. It's a skill. It's a skill that's cultivated through relationship with God. But there's three things that I have a relationship with God with that cultivate discernment. The first one is the word of God. You will not have spiritual discernment outside of a relationship with the word of God. That's why Christians that are Bible don't lack discernment. Truthfully. That's why you watch them walk in the church and they've got a PhD in the world and in the church they're just, they don't discern anything. You can't discern. Because you need God's mind to discern God's plan. 
Otherwise, you're going to guess it. Second thing you need is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who can tell you what's of God and what's not of God. Because in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, we, we, was good, in this world, what's good is being called evil, what's evil is being called good. So you can't tell the difference. I need the Holy Spirit to tell me what is of God and what is not of God. Before you met Jesus Christ, your life was what is good and what is bad. That's morality. On the other side of the cross, it's what's of God and what's not of God. So I don't wake up in the morning trying to be good and trying to avoid bad. That's Sunday school morality. On the other side of the cross and resurrection life, when there's a cross in my life, I live my day looking for what is of God and what is not of God. And the result is that I don't sin. Sin is that sinlessness or holiness or purity or godliness is a fruit of a relationship with God. It's not a goal. My goal is not to be godly. My goal is to know God and the result is godliness. Religion makes godliness a goal, purity a goal, sinlessness a goal. Jesus Christ didn't die to give me those things. He died to give me relationship. And the results of that relationship are those things. So we're too busy hunting fruit and missing the tree. Low-hanging fruit of that. The Pharisees told us it was low-hanging fruit because they pretended, they counterfeited the fruit. Any fruit I can counterfeit the spiritual is low-hanging fruit. Discernment is you can't fake that. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Word. Number three, you need the grace of God. Because the grace of God, I can interpret things through the character of God. Yeah. Like someone preached a message that that's not gracious. I don't hear the character of God. When I listen to someone preach or teach, I get my spiritual eyes open. I close my eyes and open my faith. Learn how to close your eyes and open your faith. And listen for the character of God. If I don't hear the character of God, it's not the voice of God. So three things. So when I, when, I, when I walk in discernment, in the Spirit, by faith, through the Word of God, in the grace of God, I can see what can be seen. I can discern. I have the right expectation and not the wrong expectation. There's five spiritual expectations that you can have in a trial. The first one is expect trials. Why do Christians seem so ambushed? Oh my God, I can't believe it happened. Oh my God, I didn't know what he was talking about. What did you think was going to happen? Was the devil asleep with the switch? Is he on vacation? Did he have a staycation in hell? What happened? Is he gone? What is it saying in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? Such as is common to man. Wow. Christ gives you a beautiful promise in John 16, 33. In this world you shall have tribulation. All of us love to run to the part, but you will overcome the world. We've got the beginning. You're going to have it. That's a promise from Jesus Christ. I said earlier, um, 2 Timothy 3.12, all who follow God will suffer persecution. It doesn't even say problems. It says persecution. For your relationship with God, people will persecute you. But I've discovered when you walk with God, your enemies grind you. You know what I mean when I say grind you? There is a supernatural energy energized by the flesh and demons where a person is legislating against you and they have supernatural enemies. Like, why is this person grinding me? They keep going after me again and again and again. and again. They have nothing else to live for because they're demonically charged. It's not, it's not natural. Ephesians 6, 12, our, weapon, our enemies are not flesh and blood. 
So stop blaming and fingering people for the problems in your life because your, pro- your life is more than people. It includes people. It uses people. What did it say in Romans chapter 8, verse 36? We are led as sheep to slaughter all the day long. I mean, that's a beautiful chapter in Romans 8. You have all those wonderful motivational, go get it, 2021 motivational messages. God is for me. Hey, yes. No one can suffer. Nothing separates me. You get like 17 weeks of Romans 8. And you slip that verse 36 to them. And we'll get so fast in all the other verses that you, you, you forget verse 36. We are led as sheep to slaughter all the day long. Wait a minute. It literally means that first we're considered that way. We're considered in the world defenseless, foolish, unprotected. And then it says we are led as sheep to slaughter. It's not accidental. <sighs> wow. Expect trials. We, as all, of all people, should never be surprised at a trial. Our God has told us. Because we are in this world, but not of this world, so we stick out. I think our Christians try to blend. <laughs> you know, we just like, the Muslim doesn't, I give the Muslim credit, he doesn't try to blend. He's got the kufi hat on, he's got the gown on, he's doing the prayers, he's got the prayer mat. He is making sure he's seen, large in charge, the Hindu, he's got the beard, the whole thing. He makes sure they know, I'm Hindu with the Christian. I just cross underneath his shirt. He, uh, he, he prays for his lunch quickly. He puts a little Bible underneath his desk. It's like, I don't want anyone to know that I'm a Christian. It, it's, it's a secret. Shh. Is, is he a Christian? I don't know. I mean, I, I heard him pray for his food. I'm not sure. It's like it's a secret. We should, we, we're not of this world. We don't fit in. You should expect trials. If you're not going through a trial right now, it's coming. Why? I gave you the, per- I gave the definition. Because God wants you closer than you are to him in your experience. And I would love to tell you that you're drawing closer to God by blessings, but no. That's, that's the vanilla ice cream. That's the, that's the, that's the bowl of candy. Right there. No. God says the best way to draw you is with adversity. So he brings it. Based on your capacity, he brings it. So expect trials. We shouldn't be fearing trials, right? We should be fearing trials. And by the way, your life was not exactly a bowl of candy before you got saved either. Is that right? Amen. Job 14, verse 1, man born of a woman, and it says women there too, is fewer days and full of trouble. That was before you, I get this argument. Well, until I got saved, everything was... Everything got bad after I became a Christian. Everything was bad before you got saved. Don't use the cross as your excuse for like your life was so rosy. Thorns and thistles hit you at birth. Psalm 58 verse 3, you were speaking lies from the womb. You didn't learn how to lie once you became a Christian. You came out the box spitting lies. Come on. You never have to teach a baby how to lie. Baby cries, you walk in the room, he, he stops. You walk back out, he starts crying. You walk back in, he stops. He's lying. He doesn't need you. He just wants to control you. Little flesh ball right there. Little ball of flesh controlling you. I did that with my daughter once, in and out, then I, 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 got, I caught you. Caught you. Yeah? Liar. That <laughs> was the first adverse thing I called my daughter at two years old. Liar. It's okay, it's true. 
Second thing to expect in a trial. This is the second shock for us. Expect natural weakness. Why do you, when trials hit you, why do you say, <laughs> I'm ready, and then you're not? You're like, I, I got this. You don't. That's why it's designed so that you don't. A trial is designed that you're naturally not going to win. Get through it very carefully. God allows trials not to reveal your strength, but to reveal your weakness, naturally speaking. The only reason why God allows it is to show you that you have natural weakness, especially when you start getting a lot of wins in life. You start winning. You start accomplishing things like the, the planet. The planet was winning. The earth was winning. Things are good. Corona. Wow, we are weak. Wow. Ex- expect natural weakness. When you get in a trial, expect that I cannot do this. Do not give me the Nike commercial. I can. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. Can't do it. Expect natural weakness. There are plenty of pastors running around telling you, you can do it. You can beat the trial. The trial is not there for you to beat. Not there for that. So you're in your trial beating with your fists, trying to win. Let me tell you a secret. Without God, you against one demon, you lose 100% of the time. All of us in this room against one demon lose 100% of the time without God. Demons fear and tremble and, and because of who we're connected to. Never get this, this confused that you have some supernatural strength. Watching too many movies where you see guys in Hollywood going toe-to-toe with demons and winning. That's not realistic. I laugh sometimes. You see these guys stand up. You see these guys, these TV heroes, and they'll see a person who's demon-possessed. And they'll be a, he'll be standing in a line and there'll be a single person holding him like this. Let's see. There's no way in God's green earth one human being can hold a demonically possessed person. <laughs> There's three major signs of demon possession. And I've been in the room with two. Supernatural knowledge, supernatural strength, and supernatural voices. Second one's important. No way someone's going to be holding a demonly charged person and I'm going to hold them by myself. You can't even hold somebody by yourself on that. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. I watched the guy take out a whole bus stop. <laughs> yeah. And I had to punch him in the jaw. Not even joking. True story. So, I'm, so, so imagine on a higher level, beyond being overcome by math, imagine some, I mean, a demonic possessed man, but one person, what, a nurse is holding him. I, I've got him. Really? Oh. Expect natural weakness. Right? We're but dust in Psalm 103, verse 14. Expect natural weakness. Expect it. This is the problem in our life with God, and trials uncover this. Too often in our life, we expect strength when we're supposed to have weakness. And we expect weakness when we're supposed to have strength. We get it wrong. We get it wrong. That's number two. Still don't expect natural weakness. We expect strength in places where we should expect weakness. A trial is a place that I should expect weakness. If you say, oh my God, I can't do this. Yes! That is the beginning of wisdom. Yes! I can't do this. Yes! Because when you at the edge of where you can't do this is what God says, thank you, now I can do this. But until you realize you can't do this, I can't do anything. 
That is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Expect natural weakness. And there are places where we expect weakness by God's ability to deliver me when I should be looking for strength, the strength of God. So expect natural weakness. Number three, expect uniqueness. We notice how people tell you their trial and the trial has been allowed and tailor-made for you. So what you're going through, I'm not going to go through. Okay? Because it's made for me. It's not made for you. It's unique. We have unique trials in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. See? Because in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we have a unique God. We have unique trials. Unique no trial is the same. You're not going to go into a trial and say, oh, I've been through this before. No, you can't say that. It's different. It's unique. And you can compare notes with other believers. That's one thing I do not tell other believers. I, I, I do pastoral counseling. I don't tell people in counseling, I've been through what you're going through. I have not. I'm not you and you're not me. I've experienced something similar, but it's not the same, and I don't have the same capacity as you, and I don't have the same gifts as you, and I don't have the same call as you, and my relationship with God is not identical to yours. That's horrible counseling. And by the way, all counseling should lead a person back to Christ anyway. He's the chief counselor, right? If the counseling brings you back to the counselor, ultimately, that's bad counsel, because they'll look to you and not to God. We should teach people to look to Jesus Christ. I should be what all counseling is. I've done a bit of it, I can tell you. It should go there. You're not going to solve people's life. In fact, 60% of all counseling is repeating what the person's already heard anyway. There's very little new information in counseling. Did you know that? Very little new information. Even those of you get counseling, you hear a lot of things that you've heard before. You're just not living it, but you know it. It's not new information. Oh, you're going to get this spiritual epiphany where all of a sudden you're going to hear something you haven't heard before. Maybe. But maybe not. Maybe it's repetitive and you're just not living in it. And all the counsel is doing is helping you rehearse what you already know and apply it and live in God in it and find God in it. Expect uniqueness, right? Uniqueness. And what's great about that is in the different aspects, we said this earlier in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, in the different aspects of my character, I have poikilos, I have manifold grace, meaning different aspects of God's character deal with different aspects of my trials. Have you noticed when you go through certain trials, certain aspects of God shine through? You may see the mercy of God in this trial. You may see the long-suffering of God in this trial. You may see the compassion of God in this trial. There is a variety in God's character because of the variety of the trials that he allows. And that's why on the other side of the trial, I learned something new about God because I saw God in the trial in a unique way. But I'm not supposed to see God. He's the same God in Hebrews 13, 8, but he doesn't manifest himself the same way in every trial. There's, there's variety there because of these. So expect uniqueness. Don't walk into a trial or you're in a trial, you realize you're in a trial, you discern it and say, okay, this is going to be just the last time this happened. My rent didn't get paid. Small trial. Don't have rent money. Last four months ago when that happened, this is what God did. Next time this happened, I don't know what he's going to do. Yes, it's the same promise in the sense that I don't have rent, but God may do something different. Last time, God, someone came in put an envelope on my door for the amount of the rent. This time, God moved me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? 
I was looking for another envelope, and God moved me out the place. Wait a minute. I, that's when you walk together with your pre-prescribed solutions. You organize your provision. I mean, God, this is what's happening. I'm in trouble. Would you do this? And God's like, that's not my plan. What? But I've already organized the solution. Just tick the box. Do I got to tick your box? I put everything together. God, just tick the box. Yes, sir, please. It's like people, they want to get married. They, uh, they don't go get counseling for marriage. Like, this is how they come to you with the pastor. We've decided to get married and we want counseling. No, you don't want counseling. You want permission. You should have got counseling before you decide before you decide that decision. Not after. Don't come to me afterwards. Yeah, we're getting married. Counsel us. What do you need? You've already decided you're getting married. What if, what if I counsel when I decided you, don't, you shouldn't get married? We don't want that. We've already decided. We figured that part out. Just come take this come permission. Like when you come to God, God, I want this job. I'm going to take this job. I think this is your will. Can I go? Permission. You don't want counsel. Counsel is before you make the decision. Permission is after you make the decision. What do you want? Right? Pastor, I want to drink alcohol. I think alcohol is not sin, and I think I have a right to do it. I'm going to drink alcohol. Okay. You don't want counsel about alcohol. 95 verses in the Bible that speak against it. No, you don't want that. You just want permission. It's great. You want me to give you permission so that you feel good about doing it. You want authorization. Right? And you don't want counsel. And some folks, when they come to church or Bible college, they don't want to learn. They just want to confirm what they've already learned. So I'm not here to learn. I'm here to confirm. So when the man of God says something that they haven't heard before, wait a minute. Something's wrong with you. I can't be wrong, so it's got to be you. I came here to get confirmed, not here to learn. So the possibility or the openness of the possibility that I'm wrong, that's not on the table. The reality that I could be wrong is not on the table. Pastor Ronaldo, please come to Houston and tick my box for me and tell me that what I believe is correct. Don't tell me that what I believe is wrong. I'm not open to that. Wrong is not on the table. Unless we're talking about you. Expect uniqueness. Number four. Expect God. Do you really expect God in your trial? Do you expect God in your trial? You expect to win, but do you expect God? You expect God. Really. Psalm 62.5, David says this, and I like the way he says it. My expectation is of God. He doesn't say my expectation is to win. My expectation is of God. In other words, he is divorced from the results. That's a mature Christian. I'm divorced from the results. Daniel chapter 3. You know what, King? We're not going to bow down to your gods. We like God to deliver us, but if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down. I'm not bowing down to you and worshiping the Lord God is is divorced of the results. The areas that you can divorce yourself of the 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 results or valuing the results. You You have a desire for it. But I'm the same guy, if I get it or I don't get it. That's scary. That's in Genesis 22. Put, put your Isaac on there. Okay, God, I like that, but if I don't get that, you're still God and I'm still good. Ow. Is, is it well with my soul? It is well with my, is it well with, with my soul? Is it? Well, the only well, when, only is God good when I get the unexpected job raise. Is he still good when I lose the job? Is he still good? Is he still God? 
There's the test. Is he still God? To expect God, my expectation is God. Whatever you're going through, whatever trial you're going through, God is already in the trial. I don't have, I don't have to pray a prayer and call God into my trial. God is already there. I don't have to bring it in. I have to find it in it. I have to expect God. The only reason why you look for God in the trial is if you expect God in the trial. Do you expect God in the trial? The reason why you don't look for God in the trial is because you don't expect that he's there. When you come home, you, you look for certain things because you, you expect it's in the house. But if you don't expect God is in the house, why would you look for him? Why would you look for him? I can't, I can't, I'm praying, Pastor, I'm trying to find God in the trial. I'm not finding God. Did you expect to find God? Did you expect to? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's already there. And by the way, he's not just there. He's Yahweh Jireh. He's there. He's already has a provision ready. Leave number five. Expect victory. When God is involved, why would you expect anything else? Why would you expect anything else? Expect victory. Expect God and expect victory. Expect victory. Understand that what you're pa- what did we say earlier? What that you're passing through is an event. It's not your whole life. It has, an ex- it has a beginning and an ending. It's an event. Sin is an event. Failure is an event. Trials are an event. Adverse circumstances are events. The flood was an event. And so was the Red Sea. We talk more about the Red Sea than we talk about the flood. Isn't it interesting? Expect victory. Expect victory. Expect it. We're passing through. Expect victory. That's why Paul says we glory. We glory. We glory in our trial because we have a victory in the God that we found. How many times do you walk into a trial and you're insecure? You're insecure because you don't sense security because you don't sense God. If you sense God, you sense security because your security is in God, right? Yeah. I gotta find God. First Peter 1.5, we are kept by the power of God, right? 1 John 4, verse 18, the wicked one touches us not. Hebrews 13, 6, I will not fear what men will do to me. Proverbs 20, 25, verse 29, the fear of a man is a snare. Snare. Stop stepping in the traps you've laid for yourself. Your biggest enemy in your life is you. The most negative words that are said to you are said by you. Self-inflicted wounds. Hammer the Christian. Satan's biggest, biggest victory is turning a Christian against a Christian and turning a Christian against himself. There was a snake in eastern, lower, lower western Africa. It's got two inch fangs, longest fangs than any snake in Africa. Tree snake, violent snake, vicious temper. It gets so mad, I think it's called a boom slide or a boomerang slide. Anyway, it's green. About two meters, two meters and a half. Teeth like this. Thank you. When it gets angry, it's the only thing that gets so angry it bites itself. It turns around and it, 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 it's, it's so mad trying to bite you, it'll bite itself. Multiple times. Horrific anger. You get it stirred up, it's like a hippo. When you get a hippo angry, a hippo will just keep going. Hippos can retain anger for hours. 
the number one killer of human beings besides mosquitoes in Africa is the hippo. And they're, and they, and they're herbivores. You know why? It is all based on anger. The hippo gets angry, stays angry for the whole morning, four or five hours. And a lot of people get dead, it just gets, it'll, it'll run right through you and keep going. It'll snap you in half and keep going. It just, it'll snap you in half, it's mad at you, but it gets so worked up, the hippo stays angry for hours. Romans are like that snake, we just keep biting ourselves. Get so worked up. Expect victory. There's nothing you will face. There's nothing that you will do. There's nothing you will experience that God does not have grace for. Nothing. Never expect God to be anything to you but gracious. Even in discipline. He's gracious. Blessed, he's gracious. In a trial, he's so gracious. Expect five things. First of all, we, let's, let's, let's review this and then we'll open it up for questions and comments. What is a trial? We said this. First of all, it's an event. Number one. Number two, allowed by God. Not planned by God necessarily. Not the will of God in that respect, but allowed by God. Okay. What the devil does, God allows. John Wesley said it best. He might be the devil, but he's God's devil. I know you watch Hollywood, but they're not equals. God made Lucifer. There was no yin and yang dualism when there was a good and bad. Lucifer represents the bad. Sorry, my Eastern thinkers. It's not how it works. Too much Hollywood. Be careful with all the TV you're watching Hollywood. There's a lot of humanistic Eastern thinking in Hollywood and in movies and in cartoons. It's there. You expose your kids to that. You start thinking like that. You're looking for that. And then the Bible's a foreign thought. Be careful. Disney special. Very dangerous. And only I can say that Disney's dangerous. You're looking at what you can see or what can be seen. Looking at what can be seen, Disney's dangerous. Subliminally, they send messages to our children and they're very direct and aggressive. Very aggressive. But you be led by God and you want to watch Disney enjoy it. I, Pastor Ronaldo on this day cautioned. So it is an event that is allowed by God in his plan, not by accident. So when you go through a trial, what was God asleep at the switch? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. No. Allowed by God, which means he knew about it before it happened. It was a for, it was foreknown. Every trial in your life was foreknown. And then we said the purpose. Every trial that God allows. God's like, hmm. That's going to happen to her when she's 26. I'm going to allow that because I'm going to use that for her to know me. I'm going to give her the opportunity to know me. So I'm going to allow that horrific thing at 26. And she won't know why it happened, but hopefully she'll know me as it happened. For this purpose. Then we said, we said there are three things in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 that we just kind of said it actually, the definition. Okay. And then we said that there's five, there's five things to expect in a trial. Number one, expect trials. Number two, expect natural weakness. Number three, expect uniqueness. Number four, expect God. And number five, expect victory. Five things. All right? In review. It's good to rehearse and review and think about these things because when you go through these things, 
You have to think your way through a trial. You cannot use, your weapons of warfare are not natural. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. They're not natural. So you're not going to pass through a supernatural trial with natural tactics. It will not work. The way you win in the world is not the way you win in the trial. But you may have a trial in the world. Are you going to fight with weapons of God? What's the number one weapon that God uses that you have in a trial? Your mind. Why do you think God did not let Satan attack the mind of Job? Broke his body in half, destroyed his family, destroyed his business, but was not allowed to touch his mind. That's the one thing that would allow him to step into what could be seen versus seeing. God, you can still think with God. I might be stripped down to nothing. I can still think with God. Amy Carmichael talks about that. She was in a bed. Believe in India. She was talking about how she was in bed. She was complaining to God, complaining to God, complaining to God. Why, 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 why? Then finally God said, stop complaining and think with me. From that day forward, she didn't complain a single day again. God used her tremendously. There's a point in your life where God says, stop whining and find me. I know it hurts. I know it's challenging. It's only that they get your attention. Now find me. Think with me. Think your way through the trial. But you're not going to talk your way through a trial. And if you have a positive confession, it's because you have a positive mind. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's on the inside comes from the outside. So I've got to make sure this is right, then this is right. You can tell somebody's not thinking with God by what they say. You can't, you can't speak God and think evil. That's the thing. Expect victory. Expect it. Don't just be a motivational speaker. Expect it because that's what God does. Because it's who he is. Winning is in the character of God because how can he lose as something he's designed? That's the, that's the, uh, the myth of Satan. He actually thinks that God designed time and could lose in time. He made it. Satan operates in it, but he didn't make it. He's going against the maker. Trials. They're an event allowed by God. I used to get mad at the devil all the time about trials. And I realized it's not even about him. That's low thinking for a Christian. My trials are not even about him. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it doesn't mention the devil. Notice in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, it doesn't mention the devil. It uses the word fire in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, but it doesn't mention the devil. You know why? Because it's really about me and God. It's about me and Him. Really, it's about me and Him. It's me and Him. And, I, and that's what my life boils down to. When I'm right and when I'm wrong and when I'm good and when I'm bad, it's me and God. It boils down to me and God. Right? When you're at the beam of seat, when you face God, in Amos chapter 4, verse 12, the 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, when you stand before God, it's you and God. And you're not going to say, well, Pastor Chris said, no, it's me and God. It's me and God. My life is about me and God. 
That's where it begins. That's what salvation is. Me and God. And then he puts me in a body. But it's me and God. It's personal. That's why we don't say, are you born again? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Not a denominational relationship with God. Not an organizational corporate relationship. Do you have a personal relationship with God by faith? Do you have that? Trials. I, the expectation I have is based upon the perspective that I have. I have to discern God. I've got to discern. I'm not going to stumble in a trial and find God hidden under a blanket. You're not going to back into a trial. Oh, hey, there's God. No. I'll, I'll bumble, rumble, stumble, fight, kick, scratch, blame people, cry, moan, take two Xanax and miss him. I miss him. And by the way, you can miss him. There's many things in your life you pass through and you miss God. He said, he said it last night, Genesis 28, 32. With Genesis 28, God was in this place and I knew it not. Oh my gosh, so much stuff. Thank God that God is repetitive and God is merciful. He just keeps bringing it and bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. Right, we, we said it earlier, Isaiah 30, verse 18. God waits to be gracious. You know why he's waiting? Because we ain't paying attention. That's why. God's like, hi, hi. I'm like, huh? Because you can't see the forest for the trees. You're seeing everything and observing nothing. Huh? What? Who? Huh? God? What? No, I'm good. Look at my life. I got a huge smoker in the back. Getting me two cars in the garage. iPhone 97. Look at that. I'm good to go. Southwest membership. Got the platinum package. You know, on the cable TV. I'm good to go. I'm good. Getting me. Extended warranty on the car, I'm good to go. Scratch it up, it's warrantied. <laughs> Trials. Trials. The number one reason we counsel people as pastors is the trials. And you know what we usually give them? Strategy. We don't give them the Savior, we give them strategy. I've read all these books in bookstores. Okay, here's 46 things to do when you're in a trial. Here's 96 ways to handle trial. It's all, this, all these combat tactics. But it's really just me and Jesus Christ. It is you and Jesus Christ who can handle anything. Amen. But if it's not you and Jesus Christ, you can't stand yourself. I'm too much for me without Christ. Get me? You can't stand you, never mind a trial. But with Jesus Christ, it's not bring it on. It's like, where is he? You're in a trial, you get quiet before God. Amos 3, 15, 3, 13. In days, he would slow down with the words. Don't be so loquacious. Because you're hearing yourself talk. Secondly, rehearse the character and nature of God. Regardless of the trial, rehearse who he is. Because when you rehearse who he is, in that you'll find who you are. Because the first thing you lose in the trial, in your practical living, you lose your identity. You get confused. Wait a minute, what's going on here? Uh, why is that like, you just get confused, you get, you get scared, you get frustrated. I, I don't understand, I don't understand. I don't know and no one's giving me answers. Frustrated. So define him and you'll define you. Then as you define you, you get quiet before him, 
as he is and as you are, and you wait on him. Then instead of asking him for questions, the answer we said earlier, get a word and let him lead you. Let him lead you. And it might be six months, it might be a year, it might be a long time. Let him lead you. And the way out or the way through is with him. Without him, you don't get through. Number two, without him, you don't learn. Number three, without him, you don't grow. You don't grow. So you waste the trial. There's no waste with God. Even the bad stuff, God says, I can use it. Here's the thing God says to you. I wouldn't allow it if I couldn't use it. I'm not a wasteful God. I could even use a corrupted planet with corrupted people and a wayward angel and still be magnificent. Who can do that? And I'm so good, he can corrupt heaven, corrupt the garden, corrupt the earth, and still lose. God's crazy or he's awful confident. <laughs> really? He's got a confidence like no one else you know. God's like, hey, get to know me. I'm a pretty, a pretty decent guy. And I know what I'm doing. He's the only God among all the gods who says, try me out. Muhammad doesn't say, bring it, try me out. God says, prove me. I'm crazy, prove me. Try me out. Everything else didn't work. How about me? How about playing God? How about that? Right? You tried all your friends on Facebook. You tried all your little circles. You tried all, your little, you tried all that stuff. And what happened? Wounds and excuses is what happened. Lick your wounds, stop making excuses, and find him. That's tough love to find him. And when you do, ish, you will find that peace that passes understanding, and none of the situation changes. You will first learn how to endure with him, because with him you can endure anything. And then number two, you'll learn how to persevere. Persevere. You, you progress. And some of the, so that way, when you're going through trials, you can continue to live your life. There's some folks in this pandemic are still doing this, living their life. Someone said to me, Pastor, no, you've been that Africa, you know, overseas, you've traveled a bit. Yeah. Been all of America, I've been, I've been to Africa twice for two and a half months. It's an adjustment. Life is an adjustment. Forward thinkers keep it moving. Don't be trapped by your trial. Then the pandemic becomes the excuse for complacency. And what is moving, what is not moving stagnates. What is stagnates begins to die. You see water? It's moving. It's life. When it stops, two things happen. There's growth and it's the wrong kind. Bacteria grows. Number two, it's unhealthy. I've seen Christians develop unhealthy things in their life because they're using, they're using the trial as an excuse. Okay, my boyfriend left me, my girlfriend left me, eat potato chips and watch Netflix for a day. Fine. How's that working for you? Pretty good. Okay. <laughs> The mic don't application. Lie, I will say this. <laughs> that, that's a short term. That's a short term provision for a long term trial. 
Soon it's going to be crying potato chips. Soon it's going to be a, instead of five o'clock shadow, you're going to have midnight shadow and their COVID stomach and their COVID beer. Suddenly brushing your teeth and bathing is now optional. Rumpelstiltskin look. There it is. Haven't done laundry since last season. Last season. Laundry. Just keep my You buy clothes and just don't change. Yep, that's it. So try us. All right? Let's open it up. Pastor, that's it. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. I know some of you guys are tired. I can sense that. You've heard it. been listening to a lot of talking for the weekend. Romans verse 8, 11. That's my verse for you. Look that verse up. Be quickened by the Holy Spirit. Because I'll tell you what, it's a lot of words, and half of which are not going to go, but some of it, if you could just grab one thing, rehearse it in your heart, rehearse it. Psalm 19, 14, rehearse the meditation, meditate on it, rehearse it, rehearse it, think about it, talk about it, rehearse it. Share one thing you heard today with somebody else. Sometimes when you talk about it, you remember it better. There's a new program they've been doing in London for the last three years with teachers. Teachers have decided when a student fails a class in the next semester, they make them teach what they failed. Because when you teach something, you learn it. They have an 86% increase in, in students that failed it, taught it, and they took it and did better with it. So when you struggle with something, teach it. You learn it. Whenever I know that there's something that I don't know, I teach it. Aggressively. I, teach, I, I, I find that when I teach it, I have it. I've learned it. And it's hard to teach something that you haven't learned. You won't go far. But you know, your parents, if your kids start arguing with something, have your kid teach it to some other kid. Convince them that they're helping out the kid. When really, it's your kid. It's a lesson, too. It's a hidden lesson. That is the end of Pastor Bernardo's parenting tips. That <laughs> 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 is the tape. Okay. Questions, comments on trials. Or from this morning, we talked about grace. The sufficiency, the satisfaction of grace. But normally what Pastor Chris does, and I'm usurping authority here, there's normally a little break, correct? 